You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom Bracha, this is On Principle, Challenges in Jewish Education. And we have a first here today, which is we're not speaking to a actual teacher, principal, a person who organizes schools, but someone who is crucial to meet the challenges in Jewish education, someone who in many cases doesn't get enough credit, uh, is sometimes dismissed. We're talking about fundraising, fundraising for educational institutions, be they schools, or in our case, one of the most important, I would say multi-experiential institutions, which is NCSY, the National Council for Synagogue Youth, NCSY, as it's known by its acronym. And I'm speaking with Moshe Eisenberg, who I know as Moish or Mo. Oh, it's been such a long time. Thanks so much for joining us here, Mo. Um, I mean, I think we can go on for a couple of hours, but we're going to try. <laughs> we're going to just our pre-pod schmoozing, I think, could take us for hours. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's been a long time, uh, Rebbe Vremel, and I'm, I'm very happy to... Uh, to be able to, to meet with you and talk with you on this format, your, your shows have been uh, outstanding for me to listen to. And I remember our days back in the back, listening to, to, to the Rav giving sheer in uh, Skokie Shiva. Yes. Well, who knows, you know, the way things happen, uh, the way the, the, the coaching merry-go-round or Shashiva merry-go-round, who knows what will happen as the wheel turns You never know. So I might true. come, so I true. might come back. Yeah. Yes. That is the biggest pipe dream. That <laughs> But anyway, but the point is, though, yes, and, and Mo, of course, I have wonderful memories of, of yourself and, of course, your wonderful family. Mo Eisenberg is a, uh, a Benon Shel Gedolin. Uh, his, both of his grandfathers were esteemed Rabbonim, so important in so many different ways. Rabbi Mayevsky, Rabbi Hersh Eisenberg, they were really incredible people. Uh, I was a student of your grandfather. Uh, and I learned so much for, for the shiurim that I heard from him, and even more so from the conversations I had with him. He was someone who understood everything in such an original way that when you heard it, you said, Nikarin divrayemis. I've never heard it that way before, but you're right. And that was, I, I think, a, a certain unconventional conventionality that your grandfather had that I that I think you have as well. Thank you. I, I appreciate you saying that. I, I want to just, I, I'll tell you something. I I, I probably get stopped. I, I travel a lot and we'll get into my travels, I suppose, but I travel a lot on behalf of NCSY. And a lot of times my last name is is recognized because of my grandfather um, who taught in the academy, taught in the yeshiva, he taught everywhere. And, and people say to me, Oh, you must be a an expert in dicta. You must be an expert. You must have some great divrei. I said, my grandfather was my zaidi. I said he put me on his lap. He blew pipe smoke in my face, and we played games. He taught me chess. We played. We, he told jokes. My memories of my zaidi do not. I, in his house, there was always, 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 always a gemara open with a magnifying glass on and, I, and a cup of tea that was hot. Always, always, always. But. I also remember that when I came, it was Moshala, and he would and we would talk about. He was the only one that called me Moshala, and we would talk about it. We would talk about different things. We had to talk about the stock market, talk about the thing, talk about, and he would tell me jokes. And it was it was it was a grandfather grandson relationship. He he had his game face on when he went to teach. He took it very right. seriously right. because that's what it was about. 
but he was a, a wonderfully open and marvelous human being. I also, you know, your your dad and I, of course, are good friends. I don't yeah. think t- we've ever had any difficult words between us. We're really, really wonderfully uh, intertwined. But I want to, before we start, I think I need to say the tremendous Akar Satov that our family has to your mother, Olashalem. What an incredible tzaddikas and a teacher for my children. And also open to hearing what a parent has to say. There's many experts like your mother in special education and other things that really sort of, you get the sense when you're in the room with them that, okay, just get what you have to say. You really don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> your, your your mother was always ready to hear and ready to understand that every child is an individual. Every child is different. And despite all the nomenclature about special ed, she understood that what can I hear about this child from the parent and 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 my children who had the schus to be taken out of their class and be taught and be affected by your mom were really blessed in a way that made them into uh, uh, the proud uh, the adults that I'm so proud of. So your mother has wonderful, wonderful schus. So therefore, having you here is really, really a great pleasure. Uh, look, let's divide today into two parts. Let's first talk about the organization you represent sure. and the office that you're sitting in, NCSY. And yeah. then let's talk about something that I think is probably on the minds of many people who run schools or teaching in schools. What is the state of, of fundraising in an economy which is so volatile that you know, issues cop up all the time, and and especially you know with the pandemic, and I, I think that you've navigated away uh, with with a, a realism and humor that allows you to to continue to be successful at what you're doing. So let's first talk about NCSY. Sure. So NCSY, National Conference of Synagogue Youth, is uh, it, it started in 1954. It's something that I think everybody, no matter where you're from, everyone knows those four letters like they know. Like they know AT&T or IBM or FBI, or, or, I guess. Um, but I think that I, I think that the beautiful thing about NCSY is that it has grown from what was a program geared towards the youth that were in a synagogue to a program geared towards all Jewish youth, regardless of denomination, observance level. Uh, synagogue affiliation. Um, and so we like to call it NCSY because that's the name. But in reality, we're not national, we're international. We're not for synagogue youth. There are no more synagogue youth. Um, so we're for everybody. And we have... We and, have and you're not holding conferences either or councils. <laughs> well, we're, we, we do our Shabbatonim. We do our yeah. Shabbatonim. Right. And- but, but but it's not that this is just a conference. This is not just the you're much bigger than conferences or councils. It's almost like a full service informal education program. You know, a kid will meet us at a public school. Thanks to the church, which fought for uh, Catholic clubs in, in public schools. So we were able to run public school clubs. Any religion is able to, to run public school clubs in any public school, given some factors. So you have a teacher sponsor, you have a kid sponsor, things like that. And we, we run these public school clubs in public schools. And from there, you know, bringing them kosher pizza, talking to them about different things that we're doing, talking about either the Chagim or, or Shabbos or what, it, you know, bring in, bring in speakers, talk about Israel. Now, of course, Israel has been the hot button topic for forever. 
let me stop you just for one second so people should understand. Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a serial interrupter, but let me let me understand something here. You know, we had a fun with N, it's not national, it's international. I said it's not a conference, you said it's not a synagogue. Let's talk about the definition of youth, though. At what age does NCSY start its movements towards affecting children? What age? Could you be an NCSY target, so to speak? So our focus is high school. Our our focus is is ninth through 12th grade. Having said that, um, we do have what we call junior NCSY, which starts as young as fifth grade. And we also have uh, NCSY alumni, which are programs for college. So as much as we try to focus on teenagers, we have expanded the reach as needed. Parents have come to us and said, hey, we want programs for our fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. Um, but I'm sure you know the, the quote by uh, or the, the study done by, by several psychologists and psychiatrists. Uh, David, Dr. David Talkovitz has said this. Lots of people say this, that the, the most formative years uh, for anybody is the teenage years. And so um, we, I like to say we've known this in 1954. You, you, you know, this might be news to people, but those formative years uh, are, are the years that we want to be able to really have an impact and, and help a teenager grow and decide where they want to, where they want to go on their Jewish journey and how they, how they want to take it. And we want to make sure to facilitate every step of the way. Right. You know, it's interesting, you know, that you're, now that you're bringing that up, um, we know that what's changed from 1954 to today is that more adult issues have entered into the lives of fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, maybe even younger. And whether it's the explosion of media and information that's done that or a certain um, predisposition of, of a liberal culture, uh, kids in fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade are expected to, in a way, engage in more older themes. And and even my first encounter with NCSY back in, well, I knew about it, but my my involvement in NCSY was the major one that I had was in 1972 when I was uh, 12 years old. I went on a, uh, a an NCSY big a Southern region convention Shabbaton in Jacksonville, Florida. And I was only, I was, I was not even bar mitzvah yet at that point. Uh, and there were other eighth graders like myself that were still there. But I, I agree with you that when, even when I was there, and I'll tell you more about my impressions from that, that convention, but that, yes, I was sort of too young despite my, my enthusiasm and, and interest in what was going on. But it seems like, you know, it, it, there was there was a sense that yes, we are this big umbrella, but maybe, like you're saying, that that's a false kiruv, because really the kid who is you know perhaps docile and in a way accepting up until the time he becomes a ninth grader will find the challenges in ninth, tenth, and eleventh, twelfth grade much different, and that's perhaps where he needs to have a madrich, to have someone to talk to, to have a a group of, of, of other kids that he can relate to and maybe even voice their concerns about what's going on in the world. I think that, especially now, what I had access to as a fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grader is not even close to what my kids have access to as fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, right? So they, they're, they're already feeling all this external 
um, influences and things like that. And, and they, they may be in day school, they may be in, in a public school, they may be in a community school, but it, it's definitely a huge draw to our teenage program to start them, to start them young. And that program of getting them involved in NCSY is a much less intense program. The, the, the program for fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth, you know, is a Shabbaton weekend or, or some, you know, occasional, maybe a monthly event, depending on which part of the, uh, the world you're in and how they, they run those chapters. We're not in, we're not, you know, for the most part, we're not in elementary school. So I, I almost feel that one of the reasons why perhaps you guys are still doing that or continue to do that is because it, it allows your older kids some sort of leadership role with the younger ones. Absolutely. When I was teaching full-time, one of the great pieces of advice that I heard was take the person who you think is the troublemaker and turn him into a captain, turn right. him into your lieutenant, call him over and say, you have such, I need you on my side. And I think when you take high school kids and you give them that responsibility to be the group leaders for the younger ones, right. that in a way is, is, is a way to mold them and to convince them that, that you consider them worthy and they can grow into, into their ultimate potential. Yeah. They, it's a, it's a complete 180 when you see a teenager in it with, with teenage friends and then a teenager who now takes on responsibility and we can get into some of the programs that we run, but I've seen it firsthand, obviously where a teenager who, you know, will be with, with their friends and, you know, bumming around or doing whatever. And then when it comes to like doing something real, whether it's, helping to staff a, a, a junior program or going to uh, Puerto Rico for one of our relief missions. Um, all of a sudden it's, they are, you know, it's a, it's a 180. They are the ones in charge. They are the, and they, and they accept this mantle of, of leadership and, and they, they embrace it and they inspire the teens around them. And, they, and not only that, they inspire the adults around them. And it's, and it's a fantastic thing. You know, we, you mentioned how you're no longer in synagogues and, in general, as the Pew research has shown, the uh, synagogue attendance is down everywhere, uh, whether it's the proliferation of all different types of Stieblach and Scholes and other options. The idea of this one great synagogue that everything happens for the community is really something that's from the past. I know you still, of course, work with the Rabbonim, and they are, of course, your partners, but it, it, the programs aren't necessarily run out of the shoals, as you say, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. The, the programs, the programs have evolved to being, to, to being run where the teens are. So there are public school clubs that are run in the kids' public schools. There are what we call latte and learnings, which are run in Starbucks. There are several different programs where, you know, we will do a program where kids want to go and we'll ask them, you know, the, the days of let's go bowling uh, are also over. Um, you know, they want to do this crazy fun trip. I'll tell you, I'll tell you something else, which is a little shocking. Some teens find that they've been to Israel. Nowadays, you can go to Israel pretty easily. Um, some teens have been to Israel four, five, six times by the time they're a junior in high school. They want to do something else. So we've 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 developed different summer programs we've developed different uh uh during you know it, during school year programs that have really been crucial in getting kids to stay excited and stay motivated to be part of the of the organization and i think that's probably why you not only you have to you have to you have to you have the finger on the pulse 
But you also have a, a person that I remember. I remember a couple of my friends were actually NCSY national presidents. I'll mention their names. Uh, one of them was a, a fellow Memphian of mine, Morris Goldstein, who sure. was Morris was my classmate. And another one was a person I was in yeshiva with. I was very close with him, Max Malarsik. Um, both of those were presidents. And and I remember that the convention in Jacksonville that I went to where he was elected or whatever it was. Right. And I was sort of like laughing, you know, as this cynical 12 year old, like, what does this mean? Like he's the president. We have all these rabbis there and, and you had um, Rabbi Baruch Taub and, and others like, well, what's Max going to do over there? Right. But, but I, but I discovered through my friendship with Max and Morris that the president who is one of a member actually has a very strong voice in conveying to the elders, so to speak, what the kids want. And I think that's also something unique. It isn't sort of like, you know, the Stepford Wives, where (laughs) they're just going to put, you know, this robot there. Right. Uh, The presidents are themselves, like, just like, you know, the hair club for men, you know. (laughs) Absolutely right. I mean, the the teens, um, there's teen boards. There's teen chapters, there's chapter presidents, there's regional presidents, there's national presidents. I mean, they're, th- this is a very uh, obviously teen-centered organization. It is, it is uh, a lot of our programs are done. Obviously, we have adult professionally trained staff, but we also have uh, teenagers that are, you know, that are inv- invited to meetings and, and, and weighing in. Which I think is crucial. Let me tell you one of the reasons why that was my only foray because when I was growing up, I was part of the Froom kids in my school. Yeah. And although we knew about NCSY, the idea of NCSY, as you said, was for either public school kids, kids in the day schools that were not yet Shomer Shabbos, kids who weren't keeping kashras. Again, we all know the famous Parah Duma metaphor that's used for NCSY. It's Matar the Tmeim and it's Matama the Tahorim. I'm sure you've heard that before. I mean, I firmly disagree with it. But... I know. I'm just telling. Yes, yes. Don't get don't get your uh, scruff <laughs> up. Okay. I'm just telling you what was happening. That was the idea. So I have to tell you, it was it was completely shalayu that I wanted to go. I'll tell you why I wanted to go. That fall, I would leave home. I wanted to know what it was like to just get away from my parents for a Shabbos and be away with other kids. I had never done that. I would had sleepovers, but I right. figured this was a way for me to sort of have a practice run of being away and being on my own. It was not because I felt NCSY I needed it. And in fact, during at that convention that occurred, despite my, my, my interactions with a number of wonderful people, I realized that most of the kids there really didn't under, didn't hadn't kept Shabbos. They didn't know what my tzitzis were. And that was in 72 in the Southern region. I knew that the other regions were different. How have things changed? Because now I, 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 are, I know, but I'm going to let you tell us, how is it that it became not so much centered on irreligious or kids who hadn't yet been religious, but it actually expanded to be for religious children? Yeah, I, I think that one of, and that's, that's a good question. I think that, Common misconception that we get, and this kind of goes into donors also. The kind of misconception that we get is because it's almost we can't win, right? We're from, so then our programs are for the from. That's that's the that's the impression we get from from the conservative, from the reform, from the, and then we have the other side who says, oh, NCSY, it's it's really it's not not for my kids, and the the reality is is that 
we try to be as accommodating to the communities and the parents as possible. I think the best way to answer your question is by telling you what happened several years back in Chicago when we had um, a girls' school. We have several few girls' schools here, and we have a girls' school in Chicago. And the parents of that girls' school came over to uh, Rabbi Misha Greenland, who's the national director of NCSY, who I think you also know. Yes, um, he was a student of mine, yes, many, many eons ago. And he married a student of mine. I just have to throw that in. You understand? Look, <laughs> when so, you get to be my age, Mo, you're going to be doing it as well. Don't worry. That's fine. You, you are going to be doing it. You'll be saying, yeah, I, I knew him. He was in my class. Go ahead. So he, he uh, these, these parents said, listen, we want to run for our kids need inspiration. Our kids need something. They need They need that love. They need that. Obviously, they, they need to feel that they're doing things not out of rote. And and we need we need that we need to have that NCSY dose, but we don't want them to be in a co-ed situation. Um, we don't want them to be you know necessarily uh, in a situation with kids who who aren't so from. Uh, we, we want them to be within with kids that right. are. Th- th- those were the two uh, Gorgon heads. One of them was I don't want the hashba of a public school kid, and the other is I don't want them involved with girls. That was the basic thing. The answer to that question was we started a program called 4G, okay? 4G, which at the time, 4G was was it was a double entendre because the 4G was also the cell phone towers, and that was uh that was a the the the, the high uh, the high cell phone quality was a 4G cell phone, but 4G stood for four four girls. Like the Commodore was the was. <laughs> That's right. Yes. I want to tell you, your father. Yes. Um, when we were just becoming computer savvy, your father gave me his one of his old Commodore 64s. That's right. We had yes, them. yes. And, and, and I remember when I, I don't know what happened through all our moves, but he said, I, w- I want that Commodore back, that Commodore yeah, 64 back. You definitely yeah. had a Commodore 64. I just mentioned <laughs> right. something yesterday. <laughs> yes, right. yes. 4G. Yes. That was considered super high tech. Right. And so, and so, Baruch Hashem, it's really, it's really taken off. We're doing 4G Shabbaton in, in cities like, in cities like Baltimore, 4G is, is not even called 4G. It's called something else, but we've got, We've got the Haskamas from the from Big Rabbanim. We have Haskamas from Big Rabbanim here. We've been Big Rabbanim all over. Love this idea that we're doing programs for the girls. It's it's working. It's inspirational. I even had a conversation with a Beis Yaakov High School recently, a Beis Yaakov Teenage High School. You know, we're, we were kind of picking each other's brains on how to how to better do this. But on the other hand, you do have the fact that there are day school kids that that do attend a co-ed NCSY Shabbaton. Um, something that <laughs> was a shock to me um, was that when we say the word co-ed, I think we need to define that because I'll never forget this. <laughs> I was once asked by someone on the East Coast who was unfamiliar with NCSY and unfamiliar with co-ed. And they had assumed that co-ed meant everyone was staying in the same rooms and staying in the same together. <laughs> And I made it very clear that co-ed simply means that boys and girls are invited to the same program. And there's mechitza for davening. There was a, there's a mechitza for dancing. Co-educational. Co-ed, it's, it's sort of the same thing that we started our conversation with. People, terms become different than what they originally mean. Co-ed is, so people hear co-ed, they think about co-ed dorms. Because right. Heard that's that. right. That's right. Um, co-educational. 
Right. So we, we had these these kids who, who were coming and these were kids from good yeshivish, you know, day school, high, modern Orthodox uh, high schools, you know, and they were incredibly mashpia on public school kids. And I'm not talking about the boys being much beyond the girls or the girls. I'm, I'm talking about boys and girls who were who, who understood it, who get it, who came from high schools and were Shomer Shabbos and Shomer Shabbos families. And at the end of the day, they invited these new friends over to their house for Shabbos. And yes, we have the parent of the public school kid who calls me up and says, Moshe, you may be the happiest person in the world. I said, why? He says, because my 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 son is now talking to a Jewish girl and not to a non-Jewish girl. Okay, fine. But then you have a shlav even even different, which is that, you know, my my son's inviting other boys who don't know Shabbos to we've had we had a beautiful Shabbos at our house, right? And it, they become this this these friends and these mentors. And it, it means a lot. It it does a lot for the mental health of a teen. It does, and I'm not a mental health professional, but I can tell you that there's a lot for the mental health. You can see it. It does a lot for their self-esteem. It does a lot on both ends to give and to learn from your peers. Yeah. Let me add another little spicy thing that perhaps you don't want to say, but I'll say it. I think for many kids, even the ones that are in a yeshiva, all boys situation, I think there's a certain healthy aspect of interacting with members of the opposite sex in a way that is cordial, that is professional, that has respect. And it also allows them to really mature up. One of the things that I saw when I taught in co-ed schools that I taught in was there was a certain, a greater maturity level of these boys because they didn't want to appear like doofuses in front of the girls. So, yes, you are going to have aspects of socialization. Uh, One of my closest students, I think through some sort of NCSY type of business. He's a, a very chosh of a rov, a Talmud, Rabdavid Soloveitchik, uh, who married his high school girlfriend that he met at one of these uh, social events. And he is one of the most chosh of a chabeim. He's great with, his, with, with kids. Uh, I spent a number of hours with him recently, Eretz Yisrael, helping him, well, being a sounding board for it to hear the shear he was preparing on the second parak of Kedushin. So, my point is, is that I think as much as the big bugaboo is, oh, there's girls there, for some of these boys, it actually is a great benefit. Very proud of the, and I think we even had this on our website for a while, it still might be there, of the the Shaduchim that came because of NCSY and the Sadre Kedushin who were, who were NCSY regional directors. And, you know, the fact that you, you've helped these kids grow in a way that is, you know, Shomer Torah, Shomer Mitzvah, Shomer Negiya, Shomer, you know, in, in, with the appropriate halachic boundaries. But the fact that they're able to to grow and strive and and learn and, and they want to outkadekach that we've had many. And there are many, many families that are from today who you wouldn't even believe, you wouldn't even believe that they're from today because a parent or a grandparent was involved in NCSY. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned before 
we started recording, when I mentioned my connection to Renata Greenblatt, that you had the schus to uh, speak to Renata Greenblatt, and you told him that you're involved in NCSY. And Renata told you something that was a incredible halachic psaac. Why don't you share that with us? <laughs> sure. Renata Greenblatt felt that NCSY was crucially important and that it was it was preventing shmad. And you know what can you do to prevent shmad? You can be mechal shabbos if you need to. And and obviously, you know, this was something that Rav Nanta Greenblatt believed in. It's not something that we're not, we're, we are not Mechale Shabbos. Um, but the point I think that he, I, and I wasn't asking a Shaila, he asked me what I did. And I said, I, I, I work for NCSY. And he said how crucial it was. And, and you know. So for, uh, as, as, as a child, in a sense, Rav Nanta, as I was, I will tell you that based on my previous point, it might be. As much as people will say it's it's Gilly Arias, Abizrayo Darayas to have these events, I will say the opposite. That for even some of the Yeshiva children, from kids, it might be Pikuach Nefesh for them to have had these interactions because it allowed them, first of all, to have a re- realistic sense of the other gender and to understand what their responsibility is. And I think the, the ones, yes, the, there were many people who wanted NCSY, as you say, just for the hanging out with the girls and going on the trips, but every single school and every single institution, there's all, you know, you, they cannot be judged by the lowest common denominator. You always point to the pathway that you create. And right. I think, I, and I think that's, Unfortunately, you know, what, what people get tainted by is, well, what about this guy and that guy? And they don't realize that every school, I think, in the world is, is, is geared to produce the great. And then you have the near great. And, and unfortunately, I don't think there's any institution that can say we served everyone and everybody came out a, a, a top sterling uh, character, whatever institution you have. And I think it's unfortunate that NCSY and other religious institutions, people point to with the worst aspects, which of course aren't really what you're striving for. <laughs> right. And I, I, I the, the truth is I, I haven't, I mean, I guess I've been involved in NCSY for 22, 23 years. You've, you've encountered occasional negativity, but Baruch Hashem, 95, 96% of, of comments when it comes to NCSY have all been extraordinarily positive. People love what we do. People appreciate what we do. Whether your whether your kids went there, whether your nephews went there, your nieces went there, your cousins went there, your friends went there, they, they get it. And and um and you know, they understand the fact that no, it's it's beautiful what you're doing on the public school level, it's beautiful what you're doing on the day school level. And and, and you know and let's take it even further. I, I mentioned to you off pod the other day that the, the, people would have considered it the ultimate misnomer to say to, to use the term NCSY and Colville in the same sentence. It would be like you know, <laughs> to talk about a a a, a July fourth celebration in Red Square. And yet the NCSY Kolel is something that I hear kids in 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 yeshivas all over right. New York. They but, all want to go to NCSY Kolel in the summer. This is an unbelievable program. And and probably if you were to say NCSY in the East Coast, they would say Kolel. Uh that would be the automatic 
word that they would um, they would associate. Right. And in I, other words, if they were on a game show, they would right, say, right. and that's the right. word was cool. They'd say NCSY. That's right. That's right. Bingo. That would be the you know the, the password. Well, well, part of it, Moshe, is that is that Kolil, Even the term Kolil has changed. It's not what Rav Zalman Meltzer you know conceived of in Slutsk, where you have these you know Bokrim of, of, of like only like nine or ten uh, who got married who are getting us getting some money or becoming right. Kolil has really become a, a word for learning in general. Learning. And but still, it, it says something where kids who probably weren't even part of NCSY in terms of the programs we've been talking about, right. they want to go to those summer programs, which are connected to yeshivas and Eretz Yisrael. And you have top flight, Madrichim and Rabbeim. The last number I, I saw recently was we're already at somewhere like 2,400 kids signed up for an NCSY summer program, which is which is like 400 more than we were at this time last year. And so the summer programs keep keep blowing up. And you're absolutely right. We do have kids who just go to an NCSY summer program. Cole L. Lifers, you know, people who have been going to Cole since, since day one. I I was there last summer and it's in uh, it's in Moshav Beit Meir. Obviously, the dream would be to have our own uh our own campus at some point, but right now, you know, looking at the OJ campus and it's, uh, I mean, there's like four or five base measures, but the Midrashim going on at the same time and everybody's learning. And the, the, the Shurim are, are, are insane. Reversal Schachter is there. Uh, Rev, uh, Rev is there. I mean, you, you have, you have big, big names who are spending their summers with Kolal and it's, and then they, and then they bring in the Rabbanim that are, that are in, in Eretz Yisrael. I mean, it's, it's it's incredible. I, I was zochah to, to to see the base manager. So I was zochah to, to learn with Rav Shechter last summer for a little bit while he was there. I was zochah to daven mincha with them. Um, actually, uh, it's 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 incredible that that you have this island of of, of Bahram, really who are excited. And and I'll tell you something else because of the excitement that those kids bring. We've even started a mechina program in Kolo for kids who go on. A what's called the Jerusalem Journey, the TJJ Summer Program, which is really a public school program. After their four weeks in Israel, they could spend another two weeks in the Mechina program at Kolo. That that's that's where we're at in, in, in NCSY. The state of NCSY is that kids are excited and and want to grow, want to learn, and it's it's really a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, I want to talk about two points you mentioned here. One of is, of course, is the presence in Eretz Yisrael. But before that, talking about even traveling outside of, of the U.S., Jolt is part of NCSY? Yes. Okay, so let me mention this. So I, my children uh, were the beneficiaries of NCSY programs. My daughter spent two summers as part of Jolt. And today, of course, Ukraine and Russia are in the headlines constantly. Our yeah. of course, are with the Jewish communities there. And my children had this chus to be in those areas working with uh, those Russian Jewish children. Um, and that, again, was something that NCSY was at the forefront of, the JOLT programs. And um, you guys were very much ahead of the curve, you know, <laughs> in terms of, of of opening up what was happening in, in, in the Ukraine. It was, it was a magic period where, you know, the, the Soviet Union was falling apart. And NCSY entered into that opening that that politics allowed and created programs bringing 
uh, you know, religious and, and not so religious Jewish kids from the North America to the former Soviet Union and to engage and interact and be involved in, in, in creating summer camps and schools for kids who didn't even know who Moshe Rabbeinu was. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I, even uh, you mentioned Ukraine is something else that, that even we did this past year. We already did it three or four times. There's a orphanage in, in Ukraine of Jewish kids that were displaced to uh, Romania during the war. We sent a group of kids through, through one of our trips three or four times already to Romania. And they spent a week with kids learning Chumash with them, bringing them toys, bringing them candy. It was mind blowing, life changing. I don't know who appreciated it more. The, the people that were the teams giving or the people that were the, the kids receiving. But this is, this is what it's all about. And it's, it's, uh, you know, there, there's a phrase in, in Yiddishkeit that is used. And depending on how you use it, um, I think everyone has a different definition of it. It's called tikkun olam, right? Tikkun olam. It's the darling of the conservative and libertarian movement right. of Judaism. Yes. And for everyone that, that, that disses or or doesn't believe in this concept of tikkun olam, I will ask them to look at Aleinu, uh, because l'sakein olam is what we say every single day. But malchus uh, shakai. That's right. That's right. And, and, right? But which is not what the liberals mean by tikkun olam. Well, but that, but my but my point is is that you know we have this mandate. This is what we want to do, and 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 we at NCSY try to do it in the in the best way possible by teaching kids that it's our responsibility to to take care of of what we can and to use our cojos uh, to better everybody, even if you'll never see them again. Yeah. Well, clearly, like I said, we we haven't done justice to the complete swath of what NCSY does, <laughs> but I wanted to mention since we're talking about Eretz Yisrael that there is another youth organization. It's called B'nai Akiva. When I was a Rav in Houston, I was told, I was sat down and told, our kids are not NCSY kids. NCSY is not where we're at. We are pushing our, our students and in our school that I was the Mashkiach Ruchni of, and I worked together with the B'nai Akiva Shliach. And I, I want to mention them, and I want to mention also briefly to you, the USY, uh, United Synagogue Youth. And Let's first talk about the harder question. B'nai Akiva is also an organization founded by by uh, Rabbonim Datim, uh, Mizrahi Rabbonim, uh, who wanted there to be a youth organization in Eretz Yisrael and beyond, um, in, in order to strengthen Avas Eretz Yisrael, commitment to Eretz Yisrael. Sometimes, as you know, especially in a city like where I was. It wasn't like there's the pie was big enough for everybody. Right. So in many ways, the B'nai Akiva is trying to reach the same people that the NCSY is. So try to delineate a little bit. Do you work with B'nai Akiva? How are you different from B'nai Akiva? Obviously, their emphasis is Eretz Yisrael Mamish. But clearly, as we talked about the NCSY Kolel, obviously Eretz Yisrael is part of what NCSY does as well. So why don't you differentiate between the two? Okay, so I... I think it depends on the demographics of of where the chapter is. When I was in high school, Bene Akiva was was big, um, and and NCSY. Most of the guys that went to Skokie Yeshiva, if if they went to anything, 
I personally didn't go to anything. I would hang out with my friends and we would, you know, play sports or Nintendo or whatever, or look at baseball cards, you know, but for the cool kids or whoever that would, that would go to something, we had the majority were going to B'nai Akiva uh, programs. I myself post or, or during college was a B'nai Akiva Madrid. Um, believe it or not, and and went on went on a Shabbatons to Cleveland, Shabbatons to LA with Benekiva. The answer to your question is we we work very well with all organizations, um, and it, it, Benekiva in Chicago is not what it once was sure. uh, anymore. So so you do have there are there are Minyanim Benekiva Minyanim in the different shoals here, and there's there's a nice Benekiva presence, but they don't have the that kind of programming that they used to, that we used to go to, that I'm, that I'm aware of. Um, I will tell you that it starts really with the leadership of these organizations. We're very close with the heads of USY. We're very close with the heads of BBYO and Nifty. And, and um, I'm mentioning all different denominational organizations here um, and, and the Nekiva. And, and so uh, working together is the, is the name of the game. Yeah. So, but, but how would you delineate the difference in emphasis between you two? You know, we do have a nice number, 60% public school kids. B'nai Akiva is not... Okay, so that's one difference. B'nai yeah. Akiva does not target right. uh, students who are irreligious. Right. I, I think that's that's maybe one of the biggest differences. I don't think that we, at a program, are, you know, are we doing a tech S? I'm going to have to put words in your mouth, I think, on this one. Um, okay. Try. Uh, well, I, I think that's what you're getting at, but you're not saying it. So, but, but, I, but I think what you're saying is that they will do part of their programming is sort of like to replicate Eretz life in Chutzlords. Part of what they are trying to do is, you know, bringing in the Chayalim, talking about what it means to devote yourself to the country, even to the point of of becoming a soldier. That is very, very crucial to them. Mitzvah Satliyos Baritz. Maybe that's something that NCSY doesn't emphasize in the same manner. Am I am I right on this? So I, I would tell you that because I wasn't heavily involved in B'nai Akiva, um, it's hard for me to to tell you. My my exposure to it, like I said, when it comes to the tech ass, the raising of the flag, all these things, you know, we sing Atikva at Shabbatonim, just like we sing the, the, the national anthem. Um, we sing, you know, we 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 talk about making Aliyah. We talk about um, getting kids to, to go to the army. And we've had kids that have joined the army from from NCSY. I had trouble only thinking about it as. But Mo, you got to have a brand, okay? And sometimes you can't be everything for everyone. No, that 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 is crucial in your branding. We are not this, and that's not dissing them. I'm just asking you to be courageous enough to tell me that your brand is not about sending kids to the army, not having them speak only Ivrit. That's not the be all end all. And with Bnei Akiva, that's essentially what they're trying to do. They're trying to take kids that don't know enough about Israeli life and to try to make them into olim. They're trying to make them into people that will leave America, live in Eretz Israel, and become part of a modern Zionistic state and contribute in a religious way. I think that's what Bnei Akiva is about. And I think that's NCSY has aspects that it shares with that, but that's not number one on what they're trying to do. So again, what I will tell you is that NCS, I will tell you that I can't speak to what Benin Kiva, what their goal is, but I can tell you what NCSY's goal is. And that is Jewish continuity, Ahavas Yisrael. And, and uh, you know, kids, there's different shlavim, right? The kids should marry Jewish. 
that kids should be Shomer Torah and Mitzvahs. That's Jewish continuity is 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 where we need to be. And that's really where we're what we're about. USY. Let's talk, let's spend a minute on USY. Sure. Some of my best students that I had from the academy were USY alumni. Um, they went from the USY programs to join Ida Crown Jewish Academy, which was incredible. They had spent their summers in a Camp Ramah. I don't know if, if these programs are still as vital as they used to be, but we know that these programs were, were also usually centered from the conservative synagogues that their parents were members, and they were also zeroing in on public school kids. Right. So, t- so tell me, is is USY still a player? Do you do you do things together with them? Because clearly, again, there is going to be some shared uh, yes involvement. So I can actually answer better USY uh, and BBYO than I can with Akiva. Um, and I, 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 we definitely, there is some shared involvement when you talk about public, let me take a step back. We're running, like we said, we're running schools in public schools, right? A lot of those kids that attend those, those, uh, public school, rather clubs in public schools, we're running clubs in public schools. Um, a lot of those kids that attend the clubs are members of other organizations. They're not members of NCSY, by the way, there's no formal membership, but what I mean is that they're not, they're not involved. It's not a failure for us if those kids attend a USY Shabbaton uh, and come to a JSU program. What distinguishes us, I think, mostly above every organization, this I could say every organization, I don't care, even organizations I don't even know. Uh, we're very good at follow through. You start on meeting a kid in point A. And that person that you meet, that madrid, that counselor, that whoever, that's the counselor that's you're going to meet at the Shabbaton. You're going to be part of the chapter programming. You're going to be part of a summer program. You're going to be part. That's going to be the person who you are going to know. I cannot tell you how many parents I have spoken to who say that their teens are part of an organization. I said, really, do, do your teens ever talk about like who? The madrich is who the, they have no clue, no clue. They come, they do their event, they leave. By us, that, that's, that's a fail for us. For us, it, we know that kids are going to come in and they're going to leave, but we want to create a cashier, we want to create a connection because that's where the growth is going to happen. That, I think, is what distinguishes us above everybody. The fact that we are making a, a big effort to not only connect um, you know, our, our tagline is connect and empower and inspire, but, but really to, to be able to connect and be able to be, be somewhere who's there for the teens, who's there for their family, who's there for their parents. And well, I'm sure, like well, you said, there's so many alumnus, I'm, alumni, and I'm sure I can, let, let, let's allow this to segue into the last couple of minutes here when we talk about your, your fundraising efforts, which is, sure. you know, you know, you're, you know, that's really why you work for this, for this organization. Um, you know, look, I'll, I'll put it on the table. USY it does not have the vibrancy that it once had because the conservative movement does not have the vibrancy it once had. Right. In the 1950s and 60s, and maybe even the beginning of the 70s, the conservative shoals was where it was happening. Just like I mentioned before about the the what the Pew Foundation discovered in terms of synagogue attendance, conservative Judaism has been crumbling for years. And there are still donors out there, however, and there's still, of course, wonderful, beautiful facilities that they, they had built. So now I know that you shared with me that you have to try, especially in these trying times that I alluded to before, try to reach out 
to people that perhaps don't necessarily share exactly your vision. But you know, I, I was I was you know I was reminded uh, you know a story that 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 a friend of mine recounted about Rav Aaron Cutler, that Rav Aaron Cutler went to visit a number of Rabbonim in the Bronx in the 1950s, and it was not they weren't Haredi shoals at all. The shoals were barely orthodox. And he came to them because he wanted to try to collect money from them. Not a huge amount, but he wanted to try to get something from them. And he, he said to them, look, I know you're giving drushes to them, and those drushes might be beautiful. But why don't you try to get a, give them give something that that can give them a great share in Olamava? They'll, they'll give some money for, for yeshiva a little bit. And that'll be something you're really you're really going to convince them. So I think in in the same way, you have the ability reaching out to these people uh, to at least get them to invest in something which you know is the type of product that we've discussed here today. So tell me about some of your efforts there, because yeah, as I alluded to before, it's a it's the the landscape is is a little bit tighter now than it was a couple of years ago, right? Absolutely. It's harder to fundraise in general, but from from people ideally who are who are extraordinarily generous as a whole. I think we as a we as a people, regardless of observance, we as a people are very generous people. I've been to non non Jewish fundraisers, and you know when they, when they get a five hundred dollar donation, it's like the best thing in the world. When we think of five hundred dollar donation, is like you know for those that can afford it, it's like that's really you know so. It's uh, it's always it's always Baruch Hashem and Mikabcha Yisrael as it goes goes you know across the board, but I have found that that Baruch Hashem that there there is with everybody a common denominator. There's a common thread that everybody wants, and regardless of if you're looking for uh program the programs to be run in your synagogue in a synagogue wherever, I think people are very acutely aware. Of the the kids aren't that kids aren't aren't in the synagogues that there's a lot of external influences and they want they want their children to marry Jewish and that's at the very least the thread and so if if the kids can can hang out with other Jews that's worth money to them if you know and that's something that that they they're not sure of is happening in public school and Mo you told me about a certain donor who had a great antipathy towards orthodoxy and how did sure. you deal with that I'll, t- I'll tell you that story it's a great story it, it there's this is a this is a person who who uh really was interested in in i knew that they were going to get involved um in youth programs because i saw their name on a uh on a board as you know donating a youth youth thing and i was uh, able to meet them at an event and I, I gave them my card and we schmoozed for a minute. And, you know, it's one of these guys who's an older guy who, you know, goes to Florida. He's one of the snowbirds. And how do I get in? Fine, fine. Finally, I said, okay, is there any way we can meet? And he said, uh, and he said, okay, we'll meet in this, uh, in this restaurant, which was not a, not a kosher restaurant. And so I had to ask my Shilas about, you know, how do, how do I do it? And then, well, okay, I brought my tuna fish and whatever else. And I, I, I explained to him exactly what we do. I'm wearing my yarmulke. And he says to me, you know, I, I hate Orthodox people. Just like that, I hate Orthodox people. And I said to him something like, oh, you yeah, know, we're not, we're not for everybody. You know, it's, it's it, you know, some of us can be a little bit rough. It's, it's true. And he got a kick out of the fact that I, you know, wasn't defending them. I wasn't pushing back. I was saying, yeah, you know, they're not different strokes for different folks. Um, and he says, but I like you. And I like, I like what you're saying. And I like what you're doing. 
And so it, you're trying to do what? And I said, I'm trying to, you know, explain to them that I'm trying to send 40 kids to Israel. And I explained to them the amount of money I, I needed. And the end of the hour meeting, it was, okay, done. You got it. You know, and obviously there's some there's some stuff we had to get through, you know, paperwork and things like that. But at the end of the day, that's what that's what you want. You want to be able, and, and to this day, this this goes back five, six years. To this day, it doesn't matter if you're observing. So, and he's still he's still sending in checks to you. That's the point. Oh yes, he's still sending in checks, and he still he loves it. And what we've done was, which is something that we fail as uh, in general, is we we assume people sit back in fundraising, and I don't mean to give musser here, but people sit back in fundraising and say, I'll get the check and it comes in May. What do you mean? It comes in May. I'll talk to the guy in May. Well, what you forget is that, you know, if you don't steward that person, if you don't work with that person, if you don't keep that person updated on what's going on, you, you, you lose it. And so we brought teens that have gone on the trip to this guy's office and, and, and the guy sat with them and they were so impressed. And these are not teens wearing yarmulkes. They're public school Jewish teens who explained to the to this donor how impactful the trip was and how exciting the trip was. We bought we brought this donor to talk to our own staff about how we can better reach out to people who look at NCSY. And to this day, <laughs> this guy still thinks that NCSY is a form of Chabad. I told him the NC stands for not Chabad. That's how you can <laughs> that's how you can remember that we're not Chabad. Nothing nothing wrong with Chabad. Chabad's a fantastic organization, but it's not the same organization. So we're we're doing different things. And and so, you know, a lot of times people group us together because they see a yarmulke. And while we are our own our own selves look at each other and say, Oh, that hat's not black enough. Oh, that yarmulke is a keep us through God. Oh, that you know, other people who don't wear yarmulke say a yarmulke guy. That's right. We're all Hasidic. We're all the right. Orthodox Hasidic. It's all, it's all the same. I, I think. I think you know. You've underscored here in your story and the organization you represent the the great difficulty. I think many schools are having in fundraising now, the crisis because the funds have dwindled. The great gigantic billionaire donors have become just multimillionaire donors, and 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 they are worried about their own families and, and and what's occurring to themselves. And if you don't have an organization that is, has a, a brand that's understood and that can present itself as being so unique and crucial, you know, I, I fear for many of these schools, I mentioned to you off pod that uh, there was a, a mushrooming of different schools, you know, in the nineties and in the early aughts, as it's called, because you know th- there was there was a huge money explosion and people were able to have their own sort of vanity schools schools that reflected what they wanted maybe was named after their grandmother or whatever it is and this was a boon for so many teachers and so many coal guys and others who were looking for jobs looking for positions fortunately what happened in 2008 and then really compounded with covid and the economic decline Really doesn't speak well for 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 these schools, which already have started to compress. Look, you, you have Disney and Google and others cutting. Of course, that's going to happen all all down the line. That's going to happen in many schools, and and I think you know Mo uh, as an efficient fundraisers, the people who are inventive and creative and know how to get it done, are going to be are going to be that much more important. 
I, I appreciate that. And I'll just, I'll just, if I can add, I think what people, one bit of chizab that I think would be helpful for people to understand is they need to get out of their, they, they need to get out of this mindset that if this is my territory and I'm afraid, I don't want to call this other guy because from this other organization, because, you know, it'll, it'll impede on my success. I think the answer to the problem is partnering. Partnering partnerships is, is the answer to the problem. And, and as long as people are doing, even though you have your own taste of how you do things, common threads are, are what we need to look for. We do it at NCSY, thank God, very well, um, working with other organizations, working with businesses, working with obviously with donors, but you have this sense of, of partnerships. And, and if, if you're partnering with schools, et cetera, if, if schools can partner together. And, and may, maybe even actually, unfortunately, for some teachers, but for the benefit of the school for actually combining. There, there's many areas where, you know, you need three schools like in that same spot. So in, in some ways, I mean, that again, maybe what I'm saying sounds like a, a, doomday, a doomsayer, but I think that that will, in a, in a sense, strengthen uh, what will happen. And look, b- before we end here, uh, I, I guess I should say that despite the fact that you're a full-time employee of NCSY, you are open to cons- for people calling you for consulting on their fundraising issues, right? Yeah, I'm, ha- I'm happy to. I'm happy to do So it. people should w- w- search out. Uh, Moshe Eisenberg, if they uh, people are listening to our program, who realize that he's a person you can brainstorm with. He's a person who understands, uh, very easy to talk to, as as you can see, someone who you can find. And also, of course, he's in my territory as well as a podcaster, newly minted uh, of the of the Yeshiva Show, which is uh, he's the host of a program that is already making a lot of waves, especially for all you Skokie Yeshiva. Alumnus, you're going to have a lot of interesting material uh, that Moshe and is it David Friedman who's with David you on the yep. David Friedman Moshe yep. and David Friedman, who you're able to uh, enjoy. And I think you drop your programs like once every couple of weeks or so. We try to do we try to do once a week, and absolutely anybody. I'm on LinkedIn. It's uh, Eisenberg I S E N B E R G, um, and uh, that's right. And um, happy at one of my I first. That's right. One of my we don't do Baltosif. And one of my favorite things, one of my favorite things is is being able to to help and volunteer, whether it's a whether it's my school that I went to or my kids go to, Airy Crown, which is outstanding, or my uh my you know alma mater in high school, fast finish of high school, and base medical Torah. Let's throw in a let's throw in a commercial for Cold Tui now already. already. I mean, okay, we're mentioning everybody. Yeah, I never worked at Cold Tui. I can't but, <laughs> Okay, I'm saying if we're gonna mention everything. What's called the ATT? Let's let's mention everything. No, I, I like RCCS. Okay, listen, you want to get into it, we'll go, but there's a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of great organizations. So what I'm saying is, is that Mo is available. Check him out. You can reach out to him. Check out his podcast, whether you went to Skokie Shiv or not. I'm sure you will find an interesting conversation that will hopefully broaden your horizons and give you a strength uh, and geschmack about what's happening out there in the Jewish world. Thanks a lot, Mo. We'll catch you. Hopefully, this is not. this is only your first time. We'll check in with you later. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 